Turn your Bibles this evening once again to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. And we're thankful for each one who's with us this evening and those who are watching online. <clears throat> Appreciate each one's prayers for the services and those listening. Uh, it's uh, greatly appreciated. <clears throat> A lot of obstacles that, by the grace of God, have had to be and are being overcome. We spoke last evening on the subject of the warning of Christ from <clears throat> verse 31, and this evening we're going to be speaking from verse 32, we'll reread verse 31. And we're going to be speaking on the subject of the interceding of Christ. And again, our desire is that when we leave here tonight, we'll say, oh, what a Savior. Amen. <clears throat> again, we appreciate your prayers and thank the Lord for you all, the church here in Melbourne, and your help with all of our uh, <clears throat> needs <clears throat> that we've had and your gracious care of us and uh, your prayers for us and continue to do so and uh, your help and encouragement as we uh, have a long road to hold or long road to hoe and don't know what all is ahead of us but each of the Lord's churches that have been uh, with us in this and however long the Lord sees fit for you to be with us, uh, we thank God for you. And uh, it's, just a, it's just an encouragement. And we thank, we thank you for your, your help in that regard. And so we, we just thank God for that. <clears throat> Verse 31, if you would, it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. <clears throat> we notice here that Christ intercedes on behalf of Simon Peter. And this is his response to what Satan desired to do. Now, I'd like you just in the offset or the onset or whatever set 
it might be, but I'd like you to turn over to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55, and I want to read here probably some uh, known verses to us, and if not, I trust that they'll become known to you. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, God does not always do things, or he doesn't ever do things the way we think he ought to, and thank God he doesn't. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8. He says here, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Now, we would think, and like the Apostle Paul who prayed unto the Lord three times that he would take away the thorn in the flesh, that God would respond and just remove the thorn from the flesh. But that was not how God answered the Apostle Paul, was it? He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. And his response to Simon Peter was also in like fashion, wasn't it? And the Bible tells us here in verse 9 of Isaiah 55... For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so there's a lot of times, and I would say pretty much every time, that something transpires in our lives, in this realm, spiritually speaking, in all, the realm in which you and I live in, when Satan does something and God intercedes on our behalf, that it's not going to be like what you and I think that it ought to be. But it is going to be higher and it is going to be better than what we think it ought to be. And if you'll turn over to 2 Corinthians... And I'll read you here in your hearing, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll read the, uh, the verses where Paul besought the Lord to remove the thorn in the flesh, and we'll see how much more glorious it was what the Lord chose for the Apostle Paul than what Paul had besought him to do. You see, what we beseech the Lord is so finite, isn't it? It's so short-sighted. And what God chooses to do is so far more glorious, and God always seeks to render himself glorious. Now, in 2 Corinthians 12, and verse 7, Paul says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted 
above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. You see how the Lord rendered himself far more glorious by leaving the thorn in the flesh and bestowing his own grace upon the Apostle Paul, then removing it as Paul had asked three times. Well, such was going to be the, uh, the case in, uh, here in our text of Luke chapter 22 and verse 31 and 32 with Simon Peter. Now, I'd like you to notice here several things. And you pray with us that the Lord would help us to bring them out and help you to receive them and that the Spirit of God may make intercession or make application, rather, in your life and help you to uh, understand in your life and see how God has uh, done these things in your own life and just how... Uh, Great the Lord has great and mighty things he's done for you. I'd like you to note, first of all, how that the Lord intercedes. He intercedes in our lives, doesn't he? And I'd like you to notice here how that Satan, uh, there in verse 31, he said, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Now, <clears throat> not every child of God has been sifted as wheat, have they? This was not something that was said to every single one of the apostles, not something that was said to every disciple, but it was said to Simon, certainly that's so. And we also find that this was the case here, and we find that not every child of God today is sifted as wheat in the day in which you and I live. And I don't know how Satan decides who he's going to sift and who he's not going to sift. We're not revealed that, at least I have not seen it yet in the scriptures. But you notice here, if you would, in verse 32, that the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus, he says, but I have prayed for thee. That was his response, wasn't it? You'll notice that Simon Peter did not ask Christ to pray for him, did he? But Christ did it anyways. We don't always ask the Lord for things, but he prays for us anyways. 
Here we find that this was his interceding. And the word interceding means to move or pass between. It is to mediate or to interpose or to make intercession. And that's exactly what he was doing. He was making intercession or he was passing between two parties, wasn't he? And this was not the first time whereby the Lord Jesus had made intercession or interceded on the behalf of Simon Peter, was it? No, there was another time when he had interceded for Simon Peter. And there's a time when he's interceded for you and I. I'd like you to turn over to the book of Colossians chapter 1. The book of Colossians chapter 1. You see, every person who's saved by the grace of God, we find that the Lord Jesus Christ interceded for them at Calvary. That is, he moved or passed between them and God. He mediated or he interposed, he interceded between them and God, and he, he uh, uh, came and he brought a conclusion to the matter between them. And the Bible puts it like this in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20. It says this, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. And you know what the word reconciled means? It means to bring back into fellowship. That's what God did with lost sinners. You and I were outside of fellowship with God. We were at enmity with God. And we were enemies of God. And you know what Christ did? He brought us into fellowship with God. And he did it, as the Bible says in verse 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. That's how he made reconciliation. And so this is the intercession. That's the first thing. Christ interceded at Calvary. If you're here without Christ as your Savior... That's the interceding you stand in need of tonight. That you might have this mediation, this interposing, this intercession made on your behalf that Christ would because you cannot reconcile yourself to God. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. No, the Bible puts it plain. In this fashion as well, over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says here in 
these verses beginning at verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And notice if you would verse 18. It says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself. Notice that. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And that's what you stand in need of today, is that you might be reconciled to God through the person of Jesus Christ. And this is only done by faith in his Son. You see, that's the first interceding that's ever done. And then after God saves you, after that intercession, why, there's countless other intercessions of which the Lord Jesus will make on your behalf. Look, if you would, over in Romans chapter 8, the book of Romans chapter 8, the Bible tells us how that the Lord Jesus Christ, why he's making intercession for us right now. Notice, if you would, verse 34. And so here was the Lord praying for Simon Peter, interceding for him. Why? Peter didn't even know. He, he didn't even ask him to pray. As Brother Bourne, he even said, Simon Peter didn't even think the Lord needed to pray for him. Peter said, why, I'm ready to go to prison. I'm ready to die for you. But he wasn't ready to stand for him, was he? Notice, if you would, in Romans 8 and verse 34, it says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And that where Christ is at right now, sitting on the right hand of God, making intercession for us? Listen, over in John chapter 17, in Christ's high priest intercessory prayer, listen to how he prayed. And this is his work as our high priest. This is the office work of which he is at present doing. John chapter 17 and verse 9. He said, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, 
but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. So here he is. He's praying for those that the Father gave him. He's interceding for us. Sounds like his prayers were limited, doesn't it? Then look in verse 20. He says here in John 17 and verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. Well, he prayed for me, didn't he? And he prayed for you who would believe on the words of these down through the ages. And so he intercedes for us. And Christ was praying for us. Now I'll tell you, it's an amazing thing that Christ interceded for Simon Peter. He says, but I have prayed for thee. It's an amazing thing that Satan desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, and the remedy or what may counter that is the prayers of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know what also ought to counteract that and what Christ is teaching you and I is that we fellow saints ought to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ if Satan sees fit to sift them. If they're being sifted, we ought to pray for them. So often, we want to get involved in help. There is no greater help than seeking the help of the Lord. He says, I have prayed for thee. And that's a tremendous statement. Now, I want you to observe here, secondly, and I think that this is an amazing thing, that Christ did not say, but I am not allowing Satan to sift you. He didn't say that, did he? There's a lot of folks who think, they even preach it and they teach it, that Christians... They ought to be able to go through life without any suffering or without any problems in this life. But that certainly isn't the case, is it? I'd like you to turn back to the Gospel of Luke chapter 4. The Gospel of Luke chapter 4. And I want to read to you here tonight. And we're going to note several verses uh, in Luke 4 and then some other places here, concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a tremendous thing Concerning him, how that Christ himself suffered, didn't he? And he learned obedience. 
and he suffered many things at the hands of men, and he suffered things here in, in uh, Luke chapter 4, and here he is being, as the Bible says, tempted of the devil. Notice Luke 4 verse 1, and Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed him for a season. Now I want you to notice this, that Christ himself had some dealings with Satan, didn't he? And now Simon was going to have some as well. And Christ had to do some suffering as well. And so was Simon. I want to read, if you would, if you'll turn over to the book of 1 Peter. And I just want to read some scripture here. Again, the interceding of Christ. And again, God's ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. They're higher than our thoughts. And his ways are higher than our ways. And I want you to look in 1 Peter chapter 2. And I want to read verse 21. And we're going to look here again. We're reiterating that with the interceding of Christ, how that even it was Christ who permitted the suffering or the sifting to take place. Could he have uh, stopped Satan? Absolutely. He permitted it. And he permitted it, just as he did with Job, for his own glory. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. 
For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. You see, Christ had already left an example to Simon Peter, hadn't he? Look in chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. Again, I want you to notice. It says here in verse 18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Here's an example, again, of Christ suffering. Now look down in chapter 4 and verse 1. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. What does Peter write here? He says in verse 1 again, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. He says Christ suffered in the flesh, Expect that you'll suffer in the flesh as well. And then look down in 1 Peter 5 and verse 10. 1 Peter 5 and verse 10. And he says this. Well, let's back up, if you would, to verse 8. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. He says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory, by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see, that was the purpose of the sufferings, wasn't it? That God would receive the glory and that you would be perfected like unto his glorious image. And so that was what was going to happen to Simon Peter, is how he was going to be perfected. And he says, but I have prayed for thee. 
Oh, I have prayed for thee. See, it's going to be better for you, Peter, that you go through this sifting than if you avoid it. It's going to be better for you that you are violently shaken and some things come out and come to the surface and are exposed and you are perfected than if not. And that you're made more like me. And then I want you to notice here, what was he going to pray for? But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. <clears throat> Very specific, wasn't it? That thy faith fail not. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I have faith. Well, they might believe in something, but it may not necessarily be in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like people, they say, well, I'm spiritual. Well, there's, the Lord told us in the epistles of John, he said, try the spirits, didn't he? There's all kinds of spirits. That means the Spirit of God. But he said, I, pray, I, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. <clears throat> Look over. Again, we're dealing with Satan. Look over to Ephesians 6. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God, or the armor that God has given unto his, his saints. Some of his people never bothered putting any of it on. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16 it says above all taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked or as I understand it may be rendered the wicked one I don't believe that harms the scriptures. To say the wicked one.
Simon Peter's faith was his confidence in Christ, his assurance, his resting in Christ. That's that's what it is to that's what faith means his their trust their reliance one's dependence in Christ Look look in Matthew chapter 16 well-known passage of scripture among Baptists Matthew chapter 16 And notice if you would begin at verse 13. <coughs> the Bible says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That's who Peter believed that Jesus is or was. Verse 17, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And now Christ says unto him that Satan is going to violently shake you so hard. That the possibility, and we might say the human possibility, that your faith, that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, could get turned upside down. There's a possibility, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Now we know that there's a, such a thing as we call the security of the believer. But I want you to understand the grave position that Simon was in. And it was a grave position. And Christ says, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. This was no joke. He was in a serious place. Things were dire. And what was his faith in? What was that confidence in? It was Christ. Christ is the rock. He's the foundation. Upon which everything is built. And if Christ is to crumble and fall, everything upon it crumbles and falls, doesn't it? 
And so the Lord says unto him, I have prayed that thy faith fail not. The foundation of your faith, which is in me, that it won't fail. This was in the infinite wisdom of Christ that which he prayed for. In the wisdom of God which is as the Bible says the foolishness of God which is wiser than the wisdom of men he prayed for. And it was this which would sustain Simon Peter. Though Simon Peter would stumble, he would not fall, finally, wholly, or completely. His faith, as our text says, would not fail, would it? There are those who have little faith. There are those who have no faith. There are those who have much faith. I don't know the amount that Peter had, but whatever it was, Christ prayed for it, and it would be sustained. It was not through anything that he would do. It was done all because of the interceding of Christ. Peter was fully, he was completely unaware. He took no heed to the warning of Christ. Listen to verse 33. And he said unto him, Lord, Luke 22, verse 33. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Verse 34, Christ responded, and he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. What if Christ had not interceded for him? What would have transpired had Christ not interposed and made intercession for Simon Peter? Well, I think we can say, and we can look at what would have happened if Christ had not interceded at Calvary, what would have happened to me? 
or we would all be in hell. And so, as we continue to look and see all of these things, and as we speak even now this evening, Christ is right now at the right hand of God making intercession for his people. Those that have been saved, those who are yet to be saved, he makes intercession for them. And can we not conclude as we said, oh, what a Savior. And so may our hearts yet again rejoice, may our lips praise him, not only for his warnings, but also for his intercedings. And so, Brother Bourne, would you come?